0: Now we'll be in Psalm 77 at some point. Our theme this year is believe to see, taken from Psalm 27:13 where David penned the words, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And though this year has been very challenging, and really it continues to be very challenging for a number of reasons, we just need to keep believing to see the goodness of the Lord. And let's not faint, but let's keep pressing on in faith. My good friend Mike Overton, which some of you may remember, came here a few years ago to preach our men and boys camp out. He lives in North Dakota. He was the one that was preaching on the witnessing with the gospel track. You may remember that. And by the way, that offer still stands. If anybody will take his challenge, he'll pay for the tracks. And if you want to get in contact with him, I'll do that for you. But anyway, he used to always say this. Praise God and press on. Just praise God and press on. It's been crazy this year. But let's just praise God and press on. And when we talk about believing to see, you know, the goodness of the Lord, it's really kind of an odd statement when you think about it. When you really start kind of breaking this down, because we understand God is always good. Well, if God's always good, why are we believing to see the goodness of the Lord? So it's kind of, it can be kind of an odd statement if we look at it a certain way. Our choir sings, The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever and ever to all generations. So I will stand up and sing praise, hallelujah, for I know the Lord is good. We know the Lord is good. Right? We can give mental assent to this fact. Now, sister, you're reminding me of those old funeral home fans used to be in the churches back south, and you'd have like a piece of wood and a stapled piece of paper, paper, and you'd say like Brooks Funeral Homes on it. Now, I don't know why I was always a funeral home fan, you know? It wasn't like a, hey, let's get excited about Jesus fan. It was like, hey, let's all die. And I just I never really understood that. But uh, anyway, that's what it reminded me of. And so the, the fact is, even though we know God's good, we can give mental assent to that, Maybe you've been in such trying times in your life that are so difficult that you've actually had to work at convincing yourself that the Lord is good. The fact is, there are times we don't sense the goodness of the Lord. There are times we don't feel the goodness of the Lord. Now, it doesn't change the fact that the Lord is good. But it does mean there are times that we may not experience the goodness of the Lord as we once did. Let me kind of put it this way. We're kind of acknowledging that we're not experiencing the goodness of the Lord as we used to. Because the goodness of the Lord is only to the extent that you have experienced it. For some, it's going to be greater. For some, it's going to be less. But when you kind of slide back from that high point, now all of a sudden it feels like we're not experiencing the same kind of goodness from the Lord. And I believe that kind of must be the sense from our theme verse. Though David had enemies after him, God was still good. And God was still good for a number of reasons. We could just say simply that while all these enemies were after him, God was good in that he preserved David alive. And so God's, God's good even in these times that are very difficult. But the goodness that David was believing to see was the peaceful times when he could go to the house of the Lord And behold the beauty of the Lord. David said in verse 4 of that same psalm, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And sometimes when somebody who's walking close with God and their church life gets interrupted, what they desire is to just be back with the saints. And that's what I hate what has happened with COVID. is uh, It's kind of robbed people of that. Go with me to Psalm 77. You're probably already there. And I want to consider what do we do when we don't sense the goodness of the Lord? What do we do in that case? We're in the land of the living. We're not experiencing the goodness of the Lord as we once did. What should we do? Well, let's read, you know what, let's just read this whole psalm and then I'll go back and kind of quickly go through it. Psalm 77 says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary who is so great a God as our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders, and thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We find here Asaph, in the first half of this psalm, is crying out to God in distress. He does not sense the goodness of the Lord, in the land of the living. He's weary. He's at a loss. He's fainting. And at the outset, there seems to be no faith to even try to believe to see God's goodness. Let's see how he describes this distress. He opens in verse 1 by saying, I cried unto God with my voice. He's audibly crying out to God. And this word, cried, it means to shriek out. It means to cry out to God in a time of distress and great need. In verse 2, we see this distress. It plagued Him all day long. He speaks of the day of His trouble. And then He mentions how it ceased not in the night. Often in the night, we can find some relief. We can maybe drift off a little bit and we are not bombarded so much. And yet Asaph here says, in the daytime and in the night, I can find no relief for my distress. I can't get any rest. Asaph found no rest for his soul. And we see that his soul refused to be comforted at the end of verse 2. And then we read this interesting phrase in verse 2, which says, My sore ran in the night. Real quick, I don't want to get deep into this, but the Hebrew word for sore is found 1,447 Uh, In 1,447 verses. It literally means an open hand. It's used figuratively in a number of ways. To include pain. A stroke. As in being hit. Power. And this word for ran, it means to flow forth or to stretch out. So when you kind of piece together what he's saying here. We learn that this phrase, my sore, ran in the night. It means... He stretches forth his hands all night to God because he's wounded. He's got a sore. He's wounded in his soul and he's in pain. It was a sore to him. It was a stroke to his soul. And he's letting his distress flow out to God all night in prayer with all of His power. In verse 3, we continue to see the sad state of one who is in great distress. He remembers God, and instead of being comforted by remembering God, he is troubled and he says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Which means this, the more he pondered, the more he mused, the more his spirit became shrouded. He was overwhelmed like the Waves of an ocean that just roll over and over again. In verse 4, we find that sleep evades Him. He says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. A continuous tossing and turning all night from the sorrow. And when this happens, the meditating upon the problems only continue more and more, and the sorrow deepens. And in the end of verse 4, he's so troubled that he can't even speak. As all of this mounts against the distressed soul, finding the words to pray becomes more difficult. And our crying out to God with our voice can turn to just crying out to God. Crying out with our spirit because we know not what to say. We're so grieved and we're so distressed. We can't find the words to say. Now in verse 5, We see that if he can't find any hope for tomorrow in the present day, he's going to have to look to the past for comfort. He says, He considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. In verse 6, he calls to remembrance his song in the night. And there's more to this than meets the eye, and you'd have to remember Asaph was a musician, he was a songwriter. And for those of us who are less musically inclined, we may not be able to fully grasp just how heart-wrenching this is of a statement for Asaph. Music has always been a great comfort to me, but I've never written music or been able to play much of anything. I can play a good air guitar. Thank you, Lisa. My wife isn't in here to keep me on track. But for Asaph, a man who was used to being able to reach down and have music flow from God through his fingers and have words flow through his mind and be able to pin those down, to not be able to find them when he needed them most was very troubling to him. And he goes on to say, I commune with mine own heart. I couldn't find the right song. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. He's continuing this Introspection. And he keeps digging, and he keeps trying to find the root of his sorrow, the root of his problems. And so I don't want you to confuse his distress here with despair. Despair turns into, I don't know what to, I don't know where to turn. This is distress, it's different. He's, he's going to God, and he's praying to God. He knows where to go, and he's going to Him. It's not that he's given up, and, he, and he's digging, and he's trying to find uh, where this sorrow, what's the root of this problem and so he's he's con, he's seeking for answers here. Notice how Asaph doesn't seek to divert his attention elsewhere in his time of distress. Listen, he doesn't let his job become a distraction. Some of you workaholics, that's how you divert yourself from what God is trying to say to you. He doesn't turn to alcohol and try to drown out the distress. He doesn't go to drugs to get a hit to get rid of the distress. He doesn't turn to recreation and just try to drown it all out. And i promise you this, if you've been successful at that, at some point God will eventually get you so low that you will have to cry out to Him. And Asaph here is in, is in deep distress and he's crying out to God. He's not, he doesn't have time for other means because I've got to get an answer. But many times we find people in anguish. They're finding other means to deal with their present circumstances. Asaph is in need of answers. He's looking for answers to the questions found in verses 7-9. through Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth He promise? Doth... Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in His anger shut up His tender mercies? Isn't it interesting how in good times we can hear questions like that? And we can think, that's absurd. Why would we think that? Why would I ask these questions? Everything's going well. Of course the Lord hasn't cut us off. Of course He's been favorable. Of course He's merciful. Of course He keeps His promises. Of course He's gracious. But I wonder how many of you have ever been in such trying circumstances, in such difficulty, in such painfulness, that you've actually asked similar questions to this. Lord, have you cast me off? Where are you at? Where's your favor? Where's your mercy? Have your promises failed me? Why aren't you being gracious any longer? Are you angry? Is that the reason you've shut up your tender mercies? Have you ever been there? I've been there a time or two in my life. And you can know intellectually that all that stuff isn't true. You can know that God really hasn't deserted you. But because of the depth of that which you are going through, it seems as if God is now against you. And I can tell you in times like these as a church body, well, we could look at our present situation and we can wonder, where are you at, God? Have you cast us off? Have we lost your favor? Have you removed your mercy? Will you not honor your word? Will you not be gracious? And we know God is still good. And we know God is good, but, but God, this isn't the direction we were heading six months ago. Remember, once you hit this plateau of good, when you slide back, it feels like, man, I want to see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I probably have preached a sermon already in this series that says the Lord's still good. But you want to get back to that point. You want to get back to where I know I'm at the pinnacle of experiencing God's goodness for my life. And I, I can look at the Lord and say, Lord, I know You're bigger then what's going on in the world? Amen. Amen. And because we still recognize God's greatness, and we know that He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. But yet, we experience a setback, and it's like, Lord, have you cast us off? Where's your favor go? Where's the fulfillment of your word? You said you would build your church. Where are you at, Lord? Will you not be gracious? God, you must be angry at us. And we see at the end of verse 9 the word selah. Which basically means pause. Think about it it's a musical pause, but in the Psalms when there's a musical pause, the pause is meant also for us to think about it contextually. Not just to take a breath and sing the next verse. There's about to be a shift. Selah. And it's after the pause and the collection of thoughts in the mind that in the midst of this turmoil, what interests me here tonight as we think about believing to see in 2020 is what happens after This pause. He says in the beginning of verse 10, This is my infirmity. Or this is my weakness. What is his weakness? What is it that is wearing him down? Why did he pin the verses previous to this? Well, it's the false assumptions of the questions that he just asked. Stay with me now. Those questions that he just asked, he asks those questions. He has a, a pause and, and he says, Wait a minute, this is my problem. This is my infirmity. It's all the false assumptions. It, it's, the, it's the questions that he's asking that are absurd. It's the error of thinking the way that he's thinking. It's it's the idea of, uh, man, my infirmity is I actually believe that God has cast me off. What an infirmity to even suggest that God is forsaking us. How preposterous to think that his promises would fall to the ground. Of course, God is favorable, of course, God is merciful. Of course, God is gracious. And if I can put it this way, he stopped believing to see the goodness of the Lord. He stopped living by faith in God. And he started to doubt God's goodness. There was a lack of faith in God's ways. And in the second half of verse 10, he says, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Instead of continuing in my lack of faith in God, I am going to choose instead to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember how the Lord has always been good. I'll remember that the Lord has always been faithful in the past. And I'll remember how the Lord's power has delivered me time and time again. Amen. In verse 11, he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. In the treasury of David, Spurgeon, uh, written by Spurgeon, it says, or at least the, if you ever read the treasury of David, he quotes a lot of different people. But this is what he wrote. Quote, Memory, memory, is a fit handmaid for faith. Memory is a fit handmaid for faith. He says in verse 12, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. And now, after taking time to remember how great God is, He goes through this remarkable change. Remember the questions He asked in verses 7-9? through 9? Well, now look at the question he asked at the end of verse 13. Who is so great a God as our God? (laughs) And there's a lot I gotta pass over. Maybe you'll take time later to study it. But then he says in verse 14 Thou art the God that doest wonders. And he speaks of God's strength and he speaks of God's redemption. And essentially, in verses 15 through 19, he speaks of the power of God's presence. And at the conclusion of of it all, he says in verse 20, Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What an amazing turnaround. His thinking completely changed. Early on, he was talking like God had disappeared. Like God had forsaken him. I don't read where the circumstance changed. But he changed. And now, he's concluding that God leads his dear children along. What was it that made the difference? What was it that caused his heart to change? Well, it was verses 11 and 12. It was remembering the works of the Lord. It was remembering God's wonders of old. It was meditating on God's works. And it was talking about how God intervenes on our behalf. And I want to tell you tonight, when you're in a place where it seems like there's no hope, and you feel like everyone's against you, including God, that nobody cares, you need to just take a sila. You need a Pause. You need to regather your thoughts. You need to think about what it was that just came out of your mouth in these questions you asked that really you know don't make sense. And you've got to pause and you've got to refocus and you need to remember who God is. Not how you feel like He is. That's why we have a written Word of God. Because we can be up and we can be Down but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. And so we have these times where we're kind of an emotional wreck, and yet we don't have to look in situation and think about God, how we feel. Or, but what we need to do is we need to actually see God for who He is. Often in Scripture, God reminds Israel to remember how He led them out of Egypt. You see that time and time again. Remember how I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember how I delivered thee. Remember how with an outstretched arm I delivered. Time and time again, God says, you need to remember this. You need to remember this event. And for us, as a picture of salvation, just real quick, I would say this. We need to remember that God brought us out. And when you start to doubt, you go back. And you remember. But we can also apply that to the, the life after being saved. And what God wants us to remember is that He that delivered them yesterday is the same God today. Deuteronomy 7, 17 and 18 says, If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispose them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. And I think as a church and as individuals, we need to always remember, we need to always keep in mind how God has worked wonders in our church and in our own lives. I think the problem is too many too many churches, too many people have no account in their life that they can look back at and say, you see how good God is? And when the trying times arrive, they can't fall back on God's past victories in their life because there are none. And as a result, they begin to lose faith in God and they begin to to ask questions like we see tonight. Have you cast me off? Have you forgotten to be gracious? Where's your mercy? Where's your favor? But the child of God who has victories that they can recall, they will bring those back to mind. And in those difficult times that will come over and over throughout your life. You can reach back to this well. And you can bring up these victories and you can say, the God that did it back then, He's the same God that I know today. The Bible says He never changes. There's probably a room full of testimonies in here tonight. Deuteronomy thirty-two seven says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee. I'm thankful we have a generation that has gone before us that has some accounts that they can tell us to try to build our faith. They'll tell you. As I think about how God's been good to our church and To us as individuals, I was reminded of Bill and Jenny Byers who left out with, was it 10 bucks, I think is what it was. (laughs) $10 a month support, $100 in their pocket, and they hit the road. (laughs) How many of you would do that? How many of you husbands could look at your wife and say, honey, I got $10 a month support? (laughs) This ain't 19, you know, 1875 $10 support. Amen. <laughs> uh, God is so good. I'm going to give you a quick testimony. Because what that does is you hear something like that. And for this man, you may not be able to call that to mind in your situation. Because that what didn't happen to you. But I will guarantee you for these two sitting right here, they can always know there's a God in heaven. I was a young preacher. I had just moved up here. And we took a trip south. My wife and I. have told this here before, but some of you haven't heard it. And we took a trip south, and I was preaching at my daddy's church. And at the end of the sermon, they do things a little bit different down there sometimes. And, and he said, uh, I want to do a love offering. And instead of having a basket that they pass or something that you sit in the back, uh, they, they make people get up and come to you and hand you the money. <laughs> That's awkward, Amen. <laughs> And so my dad's like, I want you to come up, and I want you to let my son know you're praying for him and give him a love offering. Well, they started stuffing money in my shirt pocket, and I didn't really count it. I just kind of got it together. I organized it where I could put it in my my billfold. And anyway, we headed we headed out. We headed up back up to here. We got to Manchester, Tennessee, and we broke down. Doesn't matter what the problem is, but we had to get it to the mechanic. And um, you know. You military guys will appreciate this. You know, I'm just, I'm just an E4, maybe, uh, maybe an E5 at the time. I can't remember. And uh, got mouths to feed and trying to make a trip south. That's expensive. And I just didn't have the money. And I thought, Lord, I don't know how in the world I'm going to pay for this. And we got the bill from the mechanic. And guess how much it was? Exactly what came in in my pocket. Amen. And what that has done for me, because that happened to me, and for those of you retirees, you may appreciate this. When you retire, um, it's an odd transition financially, even though you know it's coming and, and all that. And so I tell everybody who's going to be in the ministry that's active duty, uh, make sure you get your house in complete order before you get out. And, and so my wife and I, we, we knew what was coming. We had been working at it, but I got medically discharged three years before I was expecting to be, to be out. And so it really threw everything off financially. And we knew it was going to be hard. We looked on paper, and we said, this isn't going to work. And we were right. (laughs) It wasn't going to work. And you can reach back and you can say, God, I know you did what I couldn't do back then. And even though it doesn't make sense on paper, you know that I'm trying to do your will. This isn't play money. This is me just trying to serve you. This is what you call me to do. Where are you at? We've had all our needs met. And then some. But it all started back then. I could give you a lot of financial examples that led us to the point to be able to stand in 2016 and say, okay God, I know you got this. You understand what I'm trying to say? And as we think about our church and we think about how God gave us the press, how God gave us a printer, how God has provided the funds for paper and equipment, and when we think about how good God is, how dare we get to verses 7 and 9 and say, Lord, where are you at? Have you cast us off? Is your mercy clean gone? I hope you have some things you can look back in your life and you can see the good hand of God. We need to remember how good God has been to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle these last 40 years. As a church, we need to remember what God hath wrought among us. Especially in this hour when it seems like things are less than favorable. Individually, we need to remember what God hath wrought in our lives. And if you don't have those times, if you don't have those times when God has shown Himself strong on your behalf, on the basis of the Bible, I'm going to say this with love, your heart is not right toward God. This is what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect to him. Do you have events that you can look back on? If you're still in the home, I'm giving you a pass, okay? I'm taking care of all your needs. You're blessed because I'm blessed. Amen, Carson? I got an amen from these three. Amen, Levi? Amen? Amen? There we go. If you don't have those times where God has shown Himself strong in your behalf, you're going to be more vulnerable to demonstrate the mindset of verses 7 through 9. If you have those memories, you'll be more likely to pause I'm not saying you're not going to get low. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not going to say you're going to understand it all. But there's going to be that point where you hit a a moment, you pause, you regain your thoughts, and you think, no, 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 no. God got us down the road before. God kept us supported. And all these things, and I know God can meet my needs, and, and I'm not going to fret, and I'm not going to worry. I'm going to go forward by faith knowing that God leads His dear children along. Amen. That He leadeth His people like a flock. So as we believe to see this year, Let's not forget to see the past. Let's not forget to see the past. Let's pray.